0: Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm coming to you from the Alex Timbacus Memorials trailer here in Marietta at Atlanta United's training ground. We're going to talk about Wednesday's 4-0 victory over Colorado and preview Saturday's MLS match at Chicago at beautiful Soldier Field. I hope you get to go to Chicago. It's one of my favorite cities to travel to. Uh, the game will be at 7:30 p.m you can see it on apple you can follow my coverage on twitter at doug robertson ajc on facebook at atlanta News now and we also have some news to discuss uh, that was broken by the atlanta journal constitution on thursday that Luiz or is being sold by the club to flamingo in his native brazil for eight figures uh, at least eight figures. Uh, good bit of business for the club. Good move for Arahujo to get to go back home and play for such a, a fantastic club as Flamengo. First, before we get into hearing from Santiago Sosa and Gonzalo Pineda and I get into your voicemails and questions, I wanted to wish a happy birthday to my son, Will, who turned 17 today, and a happy graduation to my former stepsons Mark and Chris, who are graduating from Carrollton High School today. Both are Well, all three are fantastic young men, and I love and admire all of them, and I wish them nothing but the best going forward. Now, if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When we come back, you'll hear from Santiago Sosa and Gonzalo Pineda.
1: Ocean Breeze. Tropical Beach. Pina Colada.
0: So, we haven't had a chance to talk to Luis. We tried to talk to him after the game on Wednesday, and he declined. And now we have an idea why. But here's Santiago Sosa talking about his reaction to the sale of Arriuzo.
2: No, eh,
1: con a eso No, tengo nada que decir.
2: Eh, no uh, with respect to that, I, I don't have anything to add. I think that's, um, you know, an issue for Luis. Um, but, but I think that I think that he's happy.
0: Of course, this is Justin translating. And here's Sosa on how the Arahujo cell may impact the team.
2: Well, to lose a player like that, uh, it's complicated because he's a, he's a very fast player. He's very good 1v1, um, so it'll be a, an important loss. But on the other hand, we have, we have other players who are capable of playing uh, in that role, in that position.
0: Now, one of the reasons that Atlanta United defeated Colorado 4 to nothing and put up season highs for shots, shots on goals, and expected goals is because they came out and played aggressively, which is something they hadn't done in their previous four matches, all losses. Nada said, now it's not enough to do it in just this one game. We have to do it going forward. This was him speaking after the 4-0 win over Colorado. So I asked Sosa on if they're going to be able to keep that same energy and intensity.
2: Yeah, obviously the last home match against Colorado I think was a good game for us. Um, we, we played with intensity. We made them feel the, the home field advantage. Uh, we had the ball and, and we were the protagonists in the game. Uh, so that's the path that we want to continue on.
0: And here's Pineda talking about Araujo being sold.
2: I would say that I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, because I think it's, it's a good deal for all the parts and I'm happy for for him. He's back home and, you know, uh, I talked to him and he's happy about everything. Of course, he appreciates Atlanta he really likes Atlanta but uh, now, uh, you know, he, he'll be departing and uh, I'm, I'm happy for his future and, and, and going to a massive, massive club in Brazil is very good for, for his career so I'm happy for him.
0: I asked Pineda if Arjujo wanted to make the move?
2: I don't know about how the things started or anything. I, actually, I'm not involved in that, but uh, obviously I was aware of the possibility, but I, I don't know if uh, what happened. What I know is for him is, of course, a, a big opportunity for, for being playing, being part of a big, big club in, in Brazil. So I assume he's, he's very happy.
0: And if his departure is going to affect his playing time?
2: No, no, no. He's fully committed uh, to the team until the last day. He he, he told me that, he told Carlos that. So, uh, he's going to be here until he's not, and uh, he's going to be part of of the game, same as before, and, and that's how I'm going to approach this, this situation.
0: The good thing about the sale going through now is the team has six weeks until the transfer window opens, or about six weeks. So they have a pretty good run-up to get someone in as quickly as possible and try to get them as acclimated as you can so ask Pineda if this is going to help.
2: Yes I think we already know that we have the possibilities there Uh, you know so so we have some alternatives there and of course you know a new window is coming and you know Carlos I'm sure and all the guys upstairs they're very busy working very hard on certain things and yeah we'll be fine.
0: And then here's Pineda on his working with Carlos to find Carlos Bocanegra and Lenny is vice president on finding Araujo's replacement. And,
2: uh, I know they're working really, really hard, and uh, I have constant communication with Carlos on that, and we'll keep going. This was a tough week, three games in a week, so, you know, but uh, I know they always present... Uh, players to me and all that and we have constant communication where is Carlos, Arjun, uh, the scouts. We we have a very very collaborative uh, you know uh, path to approach those situations and yeah I'm sure they will present something to me.
0: And I was also curious to know if Pineda were in charge of all this would he prefer to fill to find another like-for-like replacement at right wing or would he want to strengthen another part of the team?
2: Honestly you know these news were very very i don't know how to say like uh, uh, short uh, notice and uh, so we have to analyze everything right now my head is more in chicago rather than what is coming in a month so um, we will have time next week probably to evaluate a couple possibilities um, we will see what are the options and I'm sure Carlos has a plan. He always has plans and, and he always has uh, players to look at and um, I'm very confident that, that we'll sign a good player in that moment.
0: And lastly, here's Pineda talking about his message to the team about consistent energy and intensity and what might happen if they don't show those things against Chicago.
2: I think it's very clear uh, and for the players, it is as well. I told him that, you know, uh, from now on, they are done with me because you know now every time we drop this standard I will assume there are not hundred percent and I will make changes because I, I will expect this amount of intensity urgency however we want to call it you know the full full commitment in every play to make plays to score goals to save goals uh, I, I, I need that performance from everyone because we as a team we already notice what happens when we don't put that amount of effort. We lost three games in a row uh, out of Open Cup. We know that we drop a little bit, a little bit, 10% less intensity, 10% less concentration, 10% less urgency to score goals, to have numbers inside the box, to attack all the time. Um, we, We are gonna suffer. This league is very competitive. We need to respect every opponent, and uh, not all the games are the same. We won't win every time for 0 or stuff like that, or 6-1 against Portland. Like That won't happen every match, but we should have always the same intentions to attack, to be proactive, to be good and disciplined tactically, but aggressive. And, you know, that full commitment that you notice the last game.
0: All right. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: Ocean Breeze tropical beach an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise a drive to daytona beach will actually get you there Beach on. plan your trip today at daytonabeach.com the ajc's trusted veteran political voices greg Bluestein, patricia murphy tia mitchell and bill nigett are the essential source for georgia politics the atlanta journal constitution's politically georgia sign up for the newsletter download the podcast subscribe to the ajc
0: The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, you can get access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so that you always know what's really going on. And now I have to, I have some, some news for you that it hurts me a little bit. And I blame Daniel for this entirely. This is partially why he is around the world and is never in Atlanta running from me because he has decided to change the voicemail phone number. So the number that I've beseeched you to put into your phone on top of every other number Getting rid of all of the numbers so that you only have this one in your phone has been changed. It is now 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. 404-526-2527. Blame Daniel when you call in, but here's our first voicemail.
3: Hi, uh, this is Randy from Johns Creek, and this is for Doug, on the Southern Pride Soccer. First of all, you do a magnificent job. I uh, never miss your podcast. I uh, subscribe, and I uh, really, really appreciate the work you do. Let's shift the story. Maybe it's a value. Our eldest daughter used to play women's soccer for UGA on the club program, and their coach, Brian, said he always wanted to coach women versus men because if you stand up in front of the team and you say, this is wrong, the women will look at themselves and say, what am I doing wrong how can I make it better? The men, okay, will say, well, why is this other idiot screwing up? And maybe Gonzalo needs to get in people's faces. And it may be against his personality, but maybe he has to be that blunt about it. You are the problem. All right. Thanks a lot. You do great work. Bye.
0: Appreciate the voicemail. Uh, that's an interesting analysis I don't know if I've ever heard that comparison before I think Panetta has gotten into some of the players faces and you just heard his quip about if the players don't show or a player doesn't show intensity or energy that player is not going to be in the starting lineup so he's set a standard and now it's up to him to kind of keep that standard as high as he can possibly keep it and the players to fulfill that goal so we'll see what happens against Chicago on Saturday you know, going back to the the Colorado match, it was Atlanta United came out hot. They scored the first goal uh, on an Almada free kick, a, a fantastic free kick. This came after he had already missed a penalty, badly missed it, uh, which is something he rarely does because we watch him take these things in training all the time, and he almost always hits. And then, uh, interestingly enough, Colorado had two really good chances in the second half to take a 2-1 lead and they couldn't take advantage of either one, and then Atlanta United buried them with three more goals, uh, one by Tyler Wolf, one by Yakamaki's, and one by Arahujo after a fantastic run. It's a 60-plus yard run by Arihujo. So anyway, just to recap a little bit more about that game and, and maybe what you'll see against Chicago on Saturday, and here is our second voicemail.
3: Hey Doug, this is Chandler from Grant Park. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I just wanted to just got out of the game. Just want to let you know that I'm extremely upset. I've been listening to you talk about ice cream um, for several months now, and so I went to the ice cream shop right beside my gate, Brewster's. Got a cookies and cream cone, and there might have been three cookies in my ice cream cone. So I'm extremely upset. Um, so I need to know where this Carvel ice cream machine is. Other than that, um, I'm absolutely stoked. for nil win. Um, There's like... Back on track.
0: This might be my favorite voicemail of all time. Uh, Now Brewster's has good ice cream, but I would be bummed also if there were only four cookies in my cookies and cream ice cream. The Carvel machine is up in the press box, and that's where I enjoy my Carvel ice cream. I will say I was celebrating my son's 17th birthday at uh, Soto Soto in Inman Park last night and got some gelato there. And it was fantastic. Tried a butter pecan, which was really good. A chocolate chip, which had a little bit of a mint taste in it. And then a blueberry, which was very blueberry. It was very tart. So so tart that I couldn't really finish it, which is rare for me in any kind of sweet dessert. But there's your answer about the Carvel ice cream machine. On to the mailbag. Again, you can DM me your questions at my Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Email them at droberson at AJC.com or leave them on the voicemail line, which is 404-526-2527. First question is from Adam. Do you think that the referee from Wednesday, the Colorado game, was calling last Saturday's match against Charlotte that things may have played out differently? Colorado had two players carded for pulling or holding Almada, including one early in the first half, whereas it took forever for the ref on Saturday to punish the same thing. That's an interesting question. Uh, I don't know if it would have changed the result, you know. When you play flat, like Atlanta did against Charlotte, you're going to get what comes to you. The refereeing doesn't really affect, shouldn't affect the team's energy level. Adam continues. Has Miguel Barry been trying to emulate Gigi's style of play in an attempt to let the overall attack stick to plan A, or is this his normal body of work? I ask because he clearly can't do the same quality of hold-up play, yet he doesn't seem to be trying anything unique or different. If he was brought in as an upgrade over Conway, I'm not seeing the benefit. Am I missing something? I think Barry tries to play the tactics asked for by Pineda and the strategies asked for by Pineda as best he can. I think his hold-up play was pretty good against Colorado. Uh, The past few games that he's played, he hasn't really had a lot of opportunities. He doesn't get a lot of service from teammates. Uh, Same as Chole when he's at Striker. I don't know if they just don't make the runs or if the tactics aren't the same or what. Um, But I think you'll see Barry start again on Saturday just because Gigi's still working on his fitness, and we'll see. He continues, replacing Araujo. I certainly don't want Atlanta to buy someone just as another body. The Stripes track record in this area is decidedly imperfect. However, I would be concerned about possibly having to replace so many key players in just the winter window. If Almada and Robinson are gone by the end of season, that's effectively two DPs the team will need to replace and preferably do so with enough time for the players to bet in before the new season starts. All right. Didn't really ask a question. That's his thought. It's an interesting thought, and we're going to get into this a little bit more. Chris, who sent this after Wednesday's match, says, According to my calculations, with Brad Guzan starting in goal, Gonzalo Pineda has 17 wins, 17 losses, and 7 draws. Without the polar bear, he has 8 wins, 18 losses, and 9 draws. You've talked about how without Brad, the team lacks a leader on the field. You've also talked about how the scouting model may be the issue for Atlanta. Could the issue be that the model isn't putting enough value on veteran players? Pineda is 1-0-0 when Brad and Ozzie Alonzo start together. I think Etienne Berry and Lennon, along with Westbrook and Jopp, are the only players on the team team who have started from multiple mls teams and i wouldn't call any of them team leaders in the way brad is do we need to bring in a new jeff lorinowitz or a michael parkhurst type in the summer window with experience over a game breaker so the you know ozzy Alonso is working his way back brad is a veteran and i think you'll probably see him back not for this game but for the next game the one at orlando which i will not be at uh, gabe burns will be there for us because my kids and I will be on vacation in London, and we're looking forward to that. You know, there has been a lack of MLS uh, veterans on the roster. It's not by choice. The team has tried to bring in several of them in the past few years, and they've suffered injuries or, or have just been ineffective and haven't played. But if they could find someone who can play and play consistently, like Lornowitz or Parkhurst, I think that would be a good move, and we'll see what happens in the summer window. You've probably answered this, but when is the last time all three DP scored for Atlanta United? Well, that happened in Portland earlier this year. Matt says, I only caught the last 15 minutes of the game, but it was a much better result. And your opinion, was the improved result due to an opponent that was banged up with a short weekend on the road? Partially. More intensity and better execution on Atlanta United's side? Partially. A change in strategy, formation, or tactics? I did not see that. Or something else? No, I mean... Atlanta United is full of skilled players and good players, but if you come out and you just don't play, if you play like you think just because you're on the field, you're going to win, then chances are you're not going to win. And that's kind of, I think, been the case for the past few games for Atlanta United. It's been a problem for several years. If they come out with the energy, they usually can win. So we'll see what happens against Chicago. And before I forget, I also want to thank Donald Jarrett for a gift he gave me yesterday, uh, a signed Liverpool jersey. Got to buy him lunch at Chick-fil-A, and we had a good lunch and, and talked for a long time. I've known Donald for a few years now. He's played soccer in the metro Atlanta area since he was a kid, played for Georgia State. Just a good guy. And I wish, Donald, I wish you luck in your upcoming surgeries. Pat says, Doug, what do you know good things do happen when the roof is open? He felt Etienne and Westberg were crucial pieces tonight. Uh, Westberg was especially crucial. He made a fantastic save to keep Colorado off the board. And then he made another good save off a low hard shot again, to keep Colorado off the board for Atlanta United to post its third shutout. Westberg is just a good guy. He's fun to talk to. Um, Etienne started to get more involved in the offense. The players were trying to get him the ball more. He still, uh, hasn't scored, but I think he's starting to get more comfortable. Rob with an E says Atlanta United players seem to deflate with every Louise miscue. Tata had the stones to bench Barco when he was a distraction. Does Pinedo have them to likewise bench Arahujo for the distraction he obviously is for the team on the field? I, I don't know if I agree with Oh, I definitely don't agree that he's a distraction on the field. If not, might Pinedo switch Lennon, who occasionally lapses defensively for Arahujo in his offensive woes? Still grateful for your reporting? Well, we'll see what happens if the team doesn't bring in a player when, as soon as the window opens who is going to play on that right wing. It wouldn't surprise me to see Lennon possibly with Ronald Hernandez, who had a very good game against Colorado as left fullback, slotted into his natural right fullback. Eric with a K says, if you could trade for any one player in MLS, who would it be? I'm not asking what players from Atlanta you would deal because I don't want someone beating you up in the locker room. Hmm. So I asked some of the other guys about this, and uh, Shaloy from Kansas City came up, uh, Bowanga from LAFC came up, I like Aide Morris from Columbus, but those would be the guys. Interesting question, though. Michael has a long one. He says, I don't know much about soccer tactics, so if this is dumb, feel free to say so. But when Gigi is out, would there be any value in trying Arahujo at striker, or maybe playing while he Etienne, and Almada together and employ a false nine? Atlanta has tried that before. It worked well one game, and it didn't work well the next couple of games that was tried. That happened last year when the team was out of bodies. I feel like Chole and Barry are better suited to come off the bench, and it might be worth playing the best 11 players, even if it puts someone out of position. Again, I'm not sure if any of that would even be worth considering. It has been considered and utilized, so it's a good idea, a good question. But with the struggles this team has had at creating quality scoring chances without Gigi and Almada both in the lineup, it seems like it might be worth trying an unconventional approach. Do you think Pineda is the type of coach who would be willing to try something completely different to create a spark with the team? No. Not this season, at least. He did last season because he was forced to because of all the injuries, but I think he's pretty committed to what he wants to do and is trying to get the players just to simply play with energy. He continues, thinking more broadly, it seems like throughout its entire history, Atlanta United becomes a completely different team when one or two top players are out. I think that's true of every team in Major League Soccer. Of course, any team will see a significant drop-off when missing a top player, but I feel like that drop is always much more substantial for Atlanta than for most other teams. Is that just my hometown bias or do you agree that Atlanta tends to be overly reliant on the skills of one or two players each season? Thanks as always for your work and insights on the team. Still hoping for a live podcast event sometime. I would like to do a live podcast event. We asked a restaurant close by my condo and they wanted an outrageous fee. So we didn't do that. No, I've, I've talked about this before. That in past seasons, sometimes Atlantic becomes too reliant on some sort of magical piece of skill to score rather than some sort of team-based goal tactics, good passing and movement. You could argue against Colorado, Almada's first goal, fantastic piece of skill. Gigi's goal, the fourth one, fantastic piece of skill. The the chest and then the volley or the the chip and then the slam it in after you beat the goalkeeper. The third goal, Tyler Wolfs, was a nice cross in, and he scored from about an inch out. Araujo's goal was a fantastic run, and then a really deft little shot into the lower left corner. So anyway, yeah, it would be nice to see more of a mix. David asked, does Araujo's transfer indicate higher chances of Marcelino coming back and staying? That is not going to happen. When Atlanta put out the press release about Marcelino Moreno, Uh, Going to the club in Brazil, it said it was a season-long loan. Uh, I think the team is counting on selling Marino to that club or to another club. I just don't think he fits what Beneta tries to do. Good player. Could be a really, really good player if, as I wrote last year, if he would simply pass the ball a little bit more, which was kind of also part of the problem with Araujo at times, in my opinion. Although I think Araujo is – much more skilled than Moreno. David says, I don't get to watch the games, but I follow along. Score says four to nothing, but was the offense actually better, or did we get ahead one to nothing with a piece of individual brilliance, then pile on in the last 10 minutes? That is exactly what happened. Is this a sign of us turning the corner or an example of us being able to score only if we are ahead? I thought the game was a lot like some of the results in 2017 and eighteen. Atlanta gets the first goal, forces the other team to come out of its shell a little bit. As the game gets deeper and deeper, the other team has to keep trying harder and harder, and then Atlanta United punishes them on the counterattack. It's a perfectly fine way to play and win. On to our last question from Jason with the question of the week. Again from Jason. With a busy upcoming summer transfer window, I was curious if Pineda has had more or less influence on the roster build compared to the previous coaches. And if you see that balance changing any with Negra now under Garth, instead, Darren, a lot of people seem excited that our transfer window success will be much better under Garth. But do you see Garth himself being more directly involved than Darren was with transfers? Or do you see him just focusing on getting Negra the resources to optimize the process and not getting into specific players and skills? So, I've talked about this many many times but i and i keep having to clear this up because of some stories written in the past by other outlets frank de boer gabriel heinza gonzalo pineda don't get a lot of say in the players that atlanta chooses to bring in now when those players are selected in a pool those players are shown to the manager and the manager offers his thoughts, but they do not get final say. Tata had some say in the players brought in simply because of the gravity of his name and orbit. Okay. So that's how that works. Darren didn't tell Carlos sign that player or sign that player. As you put it, Darren helped create the resources so that Carlos had a pool of money to work with, to bring in players. It's the same as it is now under Garth. Garth did not come here to sign players. Garth came here to run an entire business operation. So it's Garth's job to maximize the financial resources that can be provided to the players on the field, to sign the players on the field. So there you go. All right, again, happy birthday to my son, Will. Congratulations to Mark and Chris. Thank you to Donald. And I'll see y'all in Chicago. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care.
1: Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. I'm Ernie
0: Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything
0: to me.
1: We wanna hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal Constitution.